Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Achtung Rural, broadcasting from the beautiful South Birmingham. Accept no substitute. Huge welcome, listeners, to a special, a very special edition of Achtung Rural. I've got one of my favourite guests back again um, for your entertainment. A boyhood hero. It's, it's very strange to be speaking to your boyhood heroes. It's it, it never. I never quite get over it. It's Mr. Brian King, the man who was in goal on the very first Mill game I ever went to. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks, Nick, and um, nice to speak to you again. Absolutely. Um, now we, as, as I said, you you were in gold. I remember the game well. Mill versus Portsmouth, nineteen seventy-two. We were on a run into what we were hoping were going to be promotion that season. And there you were in goal in front of 22,000 people. Does, does it still seem recent to you, Brian, after all these years? I wish I was still playing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I could um, think of that season and I can think of my whole life at Millwall. I mean, you know, the moment I was playing for Chelsea City. Yeah. And, well, before then, Stansted and... Um, and then on to Chelsea City and meeting so many old pro players um, at that time, you know, players who played in the higher leagues who were then on their way, you know, getting over their 30s and whatever, but were great knowledge and great footballers they've been and were still good footballers at, at that level. Absolutely. I mean, the reason we're speaking today, listeners, is that Brian has produced a, his biography, or I don't know if it's an autobiography or biography, I don't get hung up on these things. It's a book of your life, especially it focused at Millwall, Brian. The Lion's King is a title yeah. of the book. I think I've always had that um, surname, which seemed to please a few journalists, <laughs> because <laughs> king of this and king of that. As I say, when I've been going around, or when I have to check in a hotel or, or meet anybody, they always go name and I go king. <laughs> they look at me and um yeah surname only absolutely it's a headline writer's dream isn't it the lion's king is the title of a new book brian's story at millwall and and internationally too brian um yeah 1967 to 75 339 appearances for the lions you are in my opinion a club legend you are one of the major figures of mill history um and this is a story of your of your time at the den, and it's available by a website called uh, www.littlehellbooks. Little Hell Books. That's all one word. Littlehellbooks.com. Nineteen ninety nine on there. 
it's a fantastic looking cover, Brian. I was just looking at it before we started speaking today. You've got wonderful images of yourself on, you know, these kind of classic images of you at the den back in those old days, the green shirts. You were a young boy from Chelmsford when you first came to the den. I mean, what did it seem like? I can assure you, when, when I realised at that time that um, um, it was after a thing called the Essex Professional Cup Final, which in those days, um, everybody within all the clubs in Essex, you know, and that's West Ham and Colchester and yeah, Southend, South I guess, yeah, Brentwood, and you know, all, all these teams entered it. And um, this particular year, we got through to the final. We lost at Southend on a two-legged final, but after the game, our manager Harry Ferrier, Harry Ferrier was a was a great player in his time with Portsmouth when when they won the when they won the league. I think two years in the end of the 50s, I think. Um, he was. Um, he came up and said to me that, the, that there were two or three clubs looking at myself and also a central defender who played for us called Peter Collins. Right. Um, Peter eventually went on to play for Tottenham. Uh, and I, I was told that Spurs and Millwall were interested in me, along with, I think, Portsmouth at the time and Cardiff and Newcastle, I think. And I, I thought, well, I've seen it before. I've heard it before. I'm, I'm 18 years old and yeah, I'm up for 19 now and um, always wanted to be a pro footballer. I've been working as an apprentice electrician. Well, that's um, going to be one of my questions. I mean, had you always wanted to play professional football? And Oh, yeah, from, yeah. from the time I was finishing school. And, you know, we have a little bit in the book about that. And, you know, you go to, I think they're called career officers today. Yes, they are, yeah. <laughs> we, had, we had some bloke come from head office, uh, the schools of Essex or whatever. Yeah. Sat down with me and he said, uh, well, have you, we left, I left school on the 15th of April, 1962. That's uh, three days before my 15th birthday, actually. Oh, you left school at 15, Brian? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, right. um, I was very naughty at school, actually. <laughs> You got to tell us. Come on. <laughs> when I was eleven, when I was eleven, we had a thing called the eleven plus. Yeah, absolutely. And my mum said, and my mum was quite pleased. I would, I would say I was ultra clever, but I was, you know, you're bright. Yeah. What 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 was said, I listened to, and it seemed to store quite easy. Okay. Um, and um, I failed eleven plus. Did you? And I failed it on purpose. The school I would have gone to, the school I would have gone to, my mother was in bits, by the way. I thought you was clever on that. I thought, I thought <laughs> and you were clever on that as well. That was a thing. And, and I looked at my dad and he winked at me and I thought, well, he knows and all. And um, <laughs> it was because the grammar school I'd have gone to, they, they played mostly cricket, um, rugby yeah. and uh, hockey traditional sports yeah. for, for that level of school. Yeah. yeah. And um, and the secondary school, I knew, played played in the league, which was the Bishop Storford District League, right. which incorporated schools from Harpertshire and Essex. Right. So I'm thinking that maybe if I can get in that team... Um, <laughs> that's, quite, um, that's, that's quite a shrewd assessment of your life's course at the age of 11, Brian, isn't yeah. it? You, you knew what you well, wanted. Well, I... I moved um, to Stancy Secondary School, which was instead of a 25-minute trip on a bus, jump on your bicycle, and you're there in five minutes. 
again, I um, I was there as a 12-year-old when I got in there. I got in the under-14s team when I was 12. Um, were you were you always a goalkeeper, or did you? Yeah, ever, always. Never, never, never played outfield or any other positions. Well, I well I played out I, I played outfield when we were in training or whatever. But no, my, my heroes, my heroes at the time was a fellow called Nigel Sims at Aston Villa. Right, uh, okay. Harry Gregg. Yes. Um, famous name. Yeah. Uh, Colin McDonald and, and and these kind of Colin McDonald's Burnley in England. Um. I'd always fancied the goalkeeper a bit. Right. Um, and on a Sunday, we used to go up um, on a recreation ground quite near to where we lived. And yeah. um, and I um, I always used to go and go. I mean, there was like men up there, you know. There was bl- these all the lads used to go up. All the lads used to go up there before they um, before they went down the pub. Right. And they used to stick me in goal, and they'd play. 10 against 10 with one goal, you know. How old would you have been at that age doing that, that, that kind of football? Oh, 13, 13, 14. Right, right. Okay. I mean, they were hammering shots at me and I used to get in the way of them. And I can remember a couple of lads who, who passed away, sadly, now, but they used to go, he's, he's daft enough to be a good goal for him. You know? <laughs> Streak of madness. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I used to get in, I used to come home covered in mud. Um and um, I imagine that would have been physically quite demanding on a 13 year old boy, Brian. I mean, that was, um, and it, it was a leather ball as well, you know, yeah, used to get quite heavy. And but I used to love it, I mean, I, I really loved it. And and at that time, when I was progressing through school, um, I represented the county at, at athletics, right, uh, at cricket, and also I won a bad tennis player. So you were a sporting, a sporting individual generally, and um, yeah, you just, yeah, you just, and, you just love the. Uh, and I suppose it makes being an electrician, Brian, doesn't it? I mean, you know. Well, you know, I work with some. I tell you what, I work with some great blokes. I mean, and as much as anything, as much as my mum and dad helped me, and uh, my dear old uncle Tom and my nan, I mean, um, these these blokes realised that when I joined Chelmsford City, it was going to be tough with the travelling. Yeah. Yeah, um, and the work, but they helped me as much as they could. One had a scooter where I was working with one of the old Lambretta scooters. Another one had a motorbike, and <laughs> another one had a car. I mean, they used to get me down at the bus station. Um, it, it, it'd be a long day. I'd start. I'd, I'd cycle to work to get a van about six o'clock in the morning from Stancy. Um, three miles, rain, sun, whatever. Um, I'd get there on the van to Arlo. Right. Um, I'd do a day's work, or if I was, as as I got older and further up the apprentice yeah. ladder, and also further up the Chelsea City ladder, um, I was required to play football a bit more. But the um, but the head of the Eastern Electricity Board realised that I was that I was going to be playing probably semi-professional, right? And I'd need some time off. And he said to me, "I don't mind you. I don't mind you." leaving early, but you have to play for our district team. Um, <laughs> he wanted to win his cup, didn't he? <laughs> well, I, I said, well, okay, that's a fair deal. But the worst thing, when we got through to the national final, which was at Watford, at Watford Football Ground, yeah. and I couldn't play because I was playing in Chelsea City's team. <laughs> <laughs> so that was no good at all. No, it was, uh, 
it, it was a wonderful lear learning curve, you know, but this, this every, I used to go three, four times a week to Chelmsford. I used to get up at five, breakfast on the old bike, in, into Bishop Stalford, the van into Ireland. Now, whoever I worked with when I got there, um, sometimes I went with them on the scooter or the motorbike or the car. Yeah. I'd always make sure I got to the bus station to go to Chelmsford, <laughs> where I'd have just over an hour on the bus, get to Chelmsford, do my training. Wow. And um, I'd have to make the Upper Nine bus back. Otherwise, it was walking and thumbing and lift. You must have been shattered at the end of the day, Brian. I must say oh, that sounds physically very demanding. As I say, it was. I was hungry for it. You know, I, I wanted to be a footballer, and um, if that this was, was your dream, be, yeah, this was the way it was going to be. And I used to get home about eleven o'clock at night. I'd have my tea, like you know, my mum would have my tea ready. Yeah, bed and up again, and then and back at it. Achtung, Milbein. The electric board's loss was was Millwall's gain. I know that much, Brian. Um, you know, you were you were a great goalkeeper. I mean, I, I, I know it must be hard to listen to flattery, but um, you know, you were a, your, your career in the game was 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 wonderful. And as the, I'm just reading the blurb of the um, of the book that you brought out here, you know, you you were you, you saw international duty with uh, Sir Alf Ramsey. Um, the blurb mentions that you've met Gordon Banks. And and the Russian, the great Russian goalkeeper Lev Yashin too. Um, yeah, I met him when I was sixteen. Did you? What's what were the circumstances of you meeting Yashin? And he, he was a major. Very brief. It was very brief. But yeah. there there is actually um, a YouTube uh, bit from England versus the rest of the world in nineteen sixty three. Right. Yes, I remember that. Well, I've read the fixture. Yeah. Yeah, because I was when I was fifteen, and I played for. Um, I played for Hertfordshire. Uh, I could play for Hertfordshire or Essex. Anyway, I got picked to play for Hertfordshire. And there was another goalkeeper there as well. And we were then selected for the South against the North um, for, for a scoreboard trial. Right. Anyway, it was a Birmingham City ground. And, you know, great experience and, and whatever. But I, I never made the final, the final squad that was going to play at Wembley against Wales and West Germany and all this. But... The following year, I got a letter from the from the FA through 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 Stancy Football Club, really. Yeah. To say that um, uh, obviously I would I would have been disappointed in not being selected for England schools, which I was, but they were wondering if I could um, report to Wembley and be a ball boy. Okay. <laughs> so I thought, oh well, you know, fantastic. It was on a Wednesday afternoon, I think October, some. Um, and I'm for England and the rest of the world. My God, you know, now here, here is someone who's who's your idol. You know, yeah, absolutely. play. Yeah. Now I was behind his goal in the first half, and I mean, what a display put on! I mean, he he made saves from Jimmy Greaves and Bobby Smith and Bobby Jolton. Great names. Yeah. And after he only played first half, so right. I'm standing at the back of the goal. I I can remember it. I I think. I think it was Greavesy who shot and the ball went past the goal and I picked it up and I threw it back to him, you know, as, as you do your ball yeah, boy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and threw it back to him and uh, half time came and he was sort of looking at me. Well, I thought when he was looking in my direction, I thought he must be looking at somebody else because he doesn't know who I am. No, no, no. Um, and uh, he was looking at me and he sort of 
waved me over. Okay. And uh, he gave me his hat and gloves. Wow. As a souvenir. Well, I mean, I'm a guy. I've sort of got him stuck. You're going gold, Brian. <laughs> and I'd never seen I'd never seen these type of goalkeeping gloves before. Right. I mean, they they were totally black, but they had, you know, like the um, uh, table tennis bats. Yes, with like the, the dimple. Yeah. Surface. Well, they had that fixed to the fingers. Right. Okay. And yeah, I've never seen that. Never seen that in ever. Um, and somewhere in my loft, they're still there. I was going to ask, do you still have them? I would imagine yeah. you, you prize them, keep them. Um, I mean, it's as you saw on the back of the on, on the book cover, those gloves were the gloves I used in the 71, 72, 72, 73 season. Right. <laughs> and there's a battered, just for listeners, there's a battered pair of um, gloves. In fact, it's one of the I've asked for questions for you, Brian, and that was one of my one of my questions yeah. actually about gloves. And this is from a friend of mine, Neil Andrews, who runs a, a goalkeeper's, um, specific goalkeeper's yeah. website. And he's, he's asked if I can ask you um, what kind of gloves you used. Were they specific footballers, goalkeeper's gloves? or Not really. I got them from the Army and Navy stores. <laughs> and honestly, honestly they, were, they were like a string glove. Well, they look like gardening gloves or something, looking at them. I mean, Today, I think they would be. <laughs> but they were three bob a pair. So, under under the supervision of dear old Jack Blackman, I had to buy a box full. So I had to buy twelve. <laughs> and I got a discount. I think I got a discount on them. But those are the gloves I used the whole of my career. Wow, and they were from the Army and Navy's because that was Neil's question. Asked Brian what kind of gloves were they? Driving gloves or gardening gloves or something else? These, these were. These were gloves that suited the ball of the day. Yeah, which was um, a heavier ball, Brian. Yes, it? But, it, but there again, I only used gloves when it was wet. Never used them when it was dry. Oh, so you were barehanded in, in dry yeah. weather. You trusted your, your, your grip. Yeah, and um, you know what? When you're training barehanded at that time, it didn't have to give you a good feel for the ball. And, you know, you can actually feel it sting when it's your hands, you know. And I ain't going to sing my own praises, but... I had a really good, I, I had a good pair of hands to catch a football and yes, you did. cricket ball or, or, or whatever. But I mean, it was a side side point. But I, I was watching football in the week, and I think it was the Liverpool goalkeeper Allison. I think he, I think modern goalkeepers now, Brian. I wanted to get your take because they punch the ball. I suppose the ball is lighter than it would have been in your day, but they seem to punch the ball away rather than catch it. I mean, I, you know, you're right. You were great catch of the football you know it was your one of your talents but it seems to have gone from the game slightly doesn't it that that idea that goal well, well, I think that comes from the way they're coached as well I you know the ball so. is totally different to what it was in our day yeah but, um, and it moves around a bit and, and, and all these kind of things but at the end of the day if you can get it and kill it and I mean and kill it if you can catch it into your body finish you know nothing's nothing's going to come from that then because no. you've got the ball you know there's, there's always today it's always Keeper pushes it out, and they go, "What a wonderful save he's made!" This, you know, <laughs> that's his second save from a straight shot or a or um, shot at goal. And okay, sometimes you have to punch, and sometimes you, you can catch. But um, in our day, not only not only to be brave to be able to dive at somebody's feet. Uh, of course, that was that was uh, people would say you'd be brave, but also decision making. Decision-making yeah. was a brave decision to make. And it was a brave 
Shall I come? Shall I stay? Shall I punch? Shall I catch? You know, do I shout? Do I say nothing? Do I open my mouth? Um, and I can assure you there were many times when I, when I opened my mouth and Kitch said, I wish you hadn't opened your mouth. Um, <laughs> because he might be on the end of my knees or my fists, you know. <laughs> well, it was a physical, I mean, it's, it's, it's a physical game still, but it was a much, much more physical game in your time, Brian. I mean, I, I'm, I'm always a bit wary of sounding like, um, you know, you're kind of waxing lyrical about the old days. And I, I think to a degree, we'll fall into this trap a little bit. But um, it was a physical game. Um, the ball was heavier. The, the pitches were, were, oh, were sapping, weren't they? Pitches were terrible. I mean, um, and of course, when I started, when a goalkeeper picked up a back pass, he could be barged, you know, a centre forward could come after you and knock you over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, charge you. Yeah. And, and <laughs> there, were, there were a few centre forwards who didn't mind having a charge, by the way. <laughs> did you, did, I was going to ask, did you get charged? I mean, in, in, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In I, got, I got an introduction in 67. We played up at uh, Berry Town and, and they had a, an ex Manchester United. It was it was originally a Busby babe, and mm. he, he went on to play international football. And his name was Alex Dawson, right. um, a really rugged, tough centre forward. I mean, a good centre forward. Um, and I got a I got a ball knocked back to me, and um, just as because you you know you're bending down to pick it up, and the moment I came up with the ball, he's run straight into me. <laughs> and um, I mean. If you're stood in the road and the car goes over you, I would imagine it's got similar effect with him. <laughs> because because <You're> flying. <laughs> he just seemed to run all the way up me. And um, and as I got up and I could see stud marks, you know, on my arms and on my legs. And he just looked at me and he said, um, welcome to the real world, son. Achtung, Mailball. I mean, yeah. you were, I'm just looking at your photograph. There's a great shot on the front cover of the book here, Brian, where you're doing this kind of like acrobatic, um, I think I think it might be Birmingham that you're at. Yeah, there. it was. It was Birmingham Great, City. great image. Um, I mean, you, you were, I'm trying to think of the right words to describe your physical shape. You, you were slender rather than physically imposing. Yeah. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, you know, I was 6'2", 6'3". Yeah. Um, I was pretty quick. Yeah. Um, you know, which is... Sometimes they say he's, he's a big tall lad. He might be a bit slow going down, you know. But uh, I, I seem to I seem to be okay in in, in all the departments. I, I think the biggest and the biggest disappointment for me it's not a disappointment, but to be mentioned in the same breath as some of the really great goalkeepers who were around at that time. Mm. I mean, and just going back to that England rest of the world game. I mean, the second half I had Gordon Banks and I was I was behind his goal and and to be able to watch him and then. And then think, five or six years later, I'd be standing opposite him and he's kicking the ball at me and I'm kicking the ball at him. It was a fantastic photograph on the back, back cover of the book of yourself um, next yeah. to Banks. Um, yeah, we were on a, we were, we were with England to, um, I think it was Malta and Gibraltar to, to celebrate their centenary. We also had, from the World Cup side, there was... Terry Payne, who was in the squad. Fantastic player, yeah. Nobby Styles, who was in the squad, which mm. made me so sad this week. Yeah. Um, Gordon Banks. I think Bobby Charlton was meant to be there, but um, he'd, he'd been injured or something. And uh, there was quite a few good young players, you know, that were, that were with Jerry Francis, Trevor Francis, 
um, Frank Worthington, you know, yeah, great some, names, some absolute great, you know, names. All, all big names. And um, I mean, Nobby was a was a lovely man, lovely character. Great. I was going to ask, did you meet him? Did you? I mean, did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, I played against him uh, when he was at Middlesbrough. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, also, of course, I played with him when we got picked for England and and um, the FA. But he was a he he was just a character. I mean, and when you hear and see what's happened to some of these players, I get so upset by it. Yeah, I mean, this is this. I mean, it's a serious point, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, obviously, um, you, 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 your book is uh, tries to focus on the humorous side of the game, I suppose. But um, there is a very serious underlying point that the, these the game then Brian took a very real physical toll on on players generally. There was there wasn't the medical or support that, that oh, players get nowadays. No, there wasn't. You know how many I can I can remember how many times I was injured. And how many times you're expected to play? I mean, have a cortisone injection. Yeah, you, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Well, of course. Yeah. A cortisone injection it takes away the pain. Um, yeah. Don't deal with the injury though, does it? It yeah, just takes means you can't feel it. And it comes back, and after after that wears off, you're the one who's suffering. But there again, we we believe what we were told, and it won't do any harm. It won't do this. It won't do that. But today. Yeah. You know, I'm 73, and, and and I know I play football. Um, I imagine you do. I imagine you do. I imagine it catches up with you, Brian, in, in, in your latter years, you know? Yeah, you know, you get up in the morning, and um, I, I can't say I actually spring up out of bed in the morning, you know. I'm, <laughs> um, I have to make sure I'm functioning from the ankles upwards, really. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's not, it's funny, but not funny. But one of the things that's, I was, I was a kid when I started going in the 72. I was only 12, 11, 12, something like that. And I was always fascinated by Jack Blackman because um, two things. One was, he was, he was clearly the, 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 the trainer or the medic. I don't know what the description would be in modern, modern yeah. game. But his, his medical kit seemed to be like a bag of water. He had like a, like a rubber bag on him. I don't know what that was. If he didn't have a bucket, he had, <laughs> he had the inner tube. It was, a, it was an inner tube. Was that what it was? <laughs> it was an old bladder, you know. You know <laughs> and dear old Jack had, um, he used to have a, he used to have a 10 litre, a 10 litre bucket of water. Um, <laughs> thank God it wasn't a metal one, but it was a plastic pot bucket. And he'd always have his sponge in there. Yeah, a sponge with water. That was the, that was the strength of his medical kit, from what I could see, Brian. I mean, you might have seen it more, but that's all it seemed to be. Well, I, I, I saw I saw some of the reasoning with Jack, and obviously football trainers of that era, because I I questioned him once because I got a really bad knock on the ankle, and he's come on and he's put this sponge on the back of my neck. <laughs> And I mean, if you can imagine, okay, it was in a 10 litre bucket of water, but there must have been five litres of water in it. Um, so now all of a sudden I'm soaked. And I said to him, Jack, my ankle, why, why would you put that sponge on my head or my, on my neck? It's so, well, there's a theory to that, son. And the theory is the moment that sponge empties his water on you, you stop thinking about your ankle. <laughs> Which is true in some way. Well, I suppose the conversation turns to that rather than your ankle, but I'm not sure it's, it's the greatest medical advice I've ever heard. Oh, you know, you'll be all right, son. Just keep going. Move, move your ankle. Run it off. You'll be all right. Run it off. Um, but 
mean, it was a great, he was a lovely man. Well, say, what a character. I mean, I've written some names down as just to, you know, as remind myself really, but each one in their way, Brian, and I probably include yourself as a character. I mean, this was a club full of great characters, Jack Blackman. I mean, I've got Harry Cripps written on him. He was much loved by the crowd, Harry, wasn't he? Oh, he was much loved by everybody. I think Harry was a, um, I'm not going to say he's a con man, but, but, <laughs> but, but Harry, Harry could always produce things what others needed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you talk about enthusiasm and, and when I watch games today, I feel that some players have got no enthusiasm, but no. Harry bundles of it. Harry had bundles of it. And humour, and humour, Brian. I mean, again, another thing that seems to have faded from the game is the, is the laughter that, that, you know, um, I, I was I was a gog. I was a kid, like I've said, and I watched him place a. They had a free kick down near our end of the of the game, and so the directions going forwards, and the referees turned his back to run forward. And Harry had this thing of bending down and kind of walking forwards whilst placing the football. So he gained yeah. about five yards. Yeah, and the crowd loved yeah. it. They just oh. rolled up laughing. He was a he was a great character, and um, as as you said, there were many characters in the team. And during my time at Millwall, I played with some really good players. Some really good players. What kind of bloke was Kitchener, uh, Barry Kitch? I mean, I, I've never met any of the players. I, just, well, I was just a fan. And, uh, what, what you know, when I played it? for Chelsea City, I played in a tournament at South End. Mm. And we played Millwall. Chelsea played Millwall. Yeah. A youth tournament. Yeah. And it wasn't until about a few years ago that I was looking through the programme when we were putting the book together. And I... I'm looking at the picture of Millwall and Kitchy's at the front, 17 year old. Yeah, yeah. And at yeah. the back was Ronnie Owls. Right. And in my team, in Chelsea's team, I was in it. There's a boy called Brian Honeywood who went to who went to Ipswich. There's another kid called Graham Pooley who became a league referee. Right. And Peter Collins who played for Tottenham. That's a fantastic um, array of players there, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was a... And that was in 1965. Yeah. So... Two years later, I'm not only we're not only roommates, but we're teammates. Incredible! That's the journey football can take you on, isn't it, Brian? Yeah, transports your life. You know, it was it was a great. It was it. He was an underrated centre half. He was strong. He had left footed. Um, he, he was a leader of men. He, he was a. He, he was a lovely, lovely man. Um, and he had a lovely family. I mean, when I went to his funeral in um, uh, Lower Stuff, was it, or somewhere up there? Yeah, Gold, he, lived, he lived out that way, yeah. yeah. I, um, I spoke at the funeral. Right. And um, told a few tales and, of our life together in, in football. And, you know, I, I can't praise him up enough. Kids, kids should have played. Kids should have played at the top level. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, you know, I know that you went into first division football yourself, but I think, you know, Barry Kitchener and, you know, I've, I've, both, I suppose it was the thing playing for Millwall, there was a slight unfashionability to it, Brian, wasn't there? So you didn't catch the, the headlines in quite the same way as a, no, you know, I mean, Chelsea, Arsenal, I don't know. No, when you're competing against the Arsenal's, the Chelsea's, the Tottenham's, mm. um, who were established first division teams in those days, and, and, Teams that were winning trophies, of course, um, for Alf Ramsey to come down the den, um, 
you know, was a was obviously a welcome sight for us. Yeah. Because we'd heard we were playing Huddersfield at home. Um, in 71, I think it was, he came down just after the World Cup in Mexico. And he came down and, um, A, you're thinking, I, I just hope I play well, you know. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, what kind of man was Alf Ramsey, um, Brian? I mean, that another one of those great managers. I mean, he seemed to have an aura about him. I think I suppose the greats do, don't they? He loved he loved football. He loved footballers. Yeah, he didn't take too kindly to directors or <laughs> people of so-called power in the game. No, he he, uh, he was a. I mean, as you as you just said, he was a. He had an aura about him, and um, it, I remember the first time I met him, I was I was in awe, and I, the first thing you say is um, "Hello, Sir Alf," and, and straight away he goes, "No, no, no, please." Um, just Alf. Just yeah. Alf. That's that's something, isn't it? And yeah. and, he, and, and he, he he was he was a players' manager. You know, he'd protect his players, he'd praise his players, he'd, and if he told them off, it'd, it'd be behind closed doors and in the dressing room, as it should be. Yes. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Achtung, Mailball. I mean, overall, looking at the big picture, Brian, I mean, you enjoyed your life. I mean, what was it? Was it? Was it? Oh, yeah. It was, how do you look back on it now? Well, when I joined, I didn't know really what to expect. Mm. It, was a, it was a player I play, was playing with at Chelmsford City who knew a player at Millwall. And the okay. player at Chelmsford City was Peter Shreves. Oh, who right. managed Tottenham. Spurs, that's right. Yeah, and he, again, in the game a long, long time. Good footballer. Yeah. Um, he was playing for Chelmsford. And after that game against South End, I spoke to I spoke to him after Millwall and Tottenham rang me up and saw how I thought about joining either. And he called me up and said, look, I've got a mate of mine plays for Millwall called Ken Jones. Right. And he's saying that, that they sold Alex Stepney. Yes, they had. And they've got a they've got a keeper who's who's over thirty, he's thirty two, thirty three. Um, Scottish international called Laurie Leslie, and I, of course I'd known the name because of West Ham. Yeah, 
Yeah, sorry, next West Ham. And uh, he said, I'll tell you, if you come and you do well, you, you'll probably get a chance. So I thought about it, thought about it. And then I got a call at home. We had no mobiles then. I got no, a call no, at home. No. And my dad said, um, there's a Mr. Fenton on the on the phone. <laughs> so, you know, you could put your hand over the phone then. And he said, who is it? I said, uh, oh, I said no one. I was like, yeah, then. Have, have the phone. And... Um, Hello, Mr. Fenton. Uh, hello, Brian. He said, um, uh, I spoke to Chelsea City, spoke to Harry Ferry, the manager, and I think we've agreed a fee for you. Right. Um, is there any chance I could come down and see you? I said, well, um, this was either on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Yes. Said, um, well, I'm sure we could do something on the Thursday. No, 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 he said, no, no, no. Can we, can we do something before then? So. I said, well, what about tomorrow? He said, what about now? Right. So I, said, right. So I said to him, well, where are you? He said, I'm in the phone box at the end of your road. <laughs> and within two minutes, he was parked outside our house. Well, he was keen, wasn't he? He was keen. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, my mum and dad, he couldn't sleep after he saw me. I don't, I don't know how true that was. but No. What sure. kind of manager was Benny uh, Benny Fenton? Um, how did he how did he manage his players? Was he was he? Tell you what, he could spot a player, not because yeah. he bought me, but you look at what he brought to that football club, and think of the money he made for that football club. Well, he's, he's, he's when you look at his years, and he's there for about eight years or so, I think. Eight, Benny, Fenton. nine years, I think. I, no, it might have been ten years actually, because he was when they went up. Um, when he went up to the to the second division from the third division. I think he took over then from Billy Gray or... That's or right, mid-60s, that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it, under Benny, it, it, there always seemed to be like this progression. Each year was an improvement and we were progressing yeah. towards the, the season that was so nearly in, in touch, the promotion yeah. season. That well, the season before then, uh, was it, or two seasons before then, we actually, the year Crystal Palace went up, Yeah, we were one stage during the season, we were top in the league then. Contenders, that's right. That's um, right. But he would—he had an eye for a player. I mean, Keith Weller. Well, I was going to. It's one of my names I've written on my list here, so just to ask about. I mean, you'd played with Keith Weller, Brian, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, I—I I never saw him. He was before my time, but all I read is how good he was and what a great player, what skillful yeah. player he was. Funny again, it's a funny, funny thing. But while I was at Chelsea City, we played against Spurs. A. They were in the same, the Metropolitan League. Top mm. A, West Ham A, Arsenal A, uh, Colchester, Southend, all their A teams were in, in that league. And um, I played against Keith and the Poss when I played Chelsea City Reserves against right. Tottenham A team. Unbeknown to me, we would be teammates. But again, he was he was a fringe player at Tottenham, you know, the same as Derek Posse. Yeah. Both been in the first team. But what they were competing against at that time, of course, was the Cliff Jones, Jimmy Greaves, Top Hello level, top team. players, yeah. Top, top players, you know, and um, yeah. they were young players. Yeah. So, Benny brought them both to the club the same the same year as I came, they joined. Right, okay. And I remember meeting them the first time at the Den when we were doing the photo sessions. Yeah. Uh, before the season. and uh, But as the season went on, and I was lucky enough to get in the first team quite early, really, um, that was against um, Northampton in the League Cup. Right. And about a week later, I played, I made my league debut against Blackpool. 
and you kind of largely made that position yours overall, overall yeah, it was, your career, Brian, didn't you? I was I was in and out a little bit the first year I was there because, yeah. because he was the first choice goalkeeper. Yeah. And um having having the chance to work with him as a goalkeeper for a for a year, fourteen months, I mean it, it is amazing, amazing bloke. Um and so brave. He weren't the biggest, you know, but Christ forgive yeah, brave or what. He was a coach. I mean, again, another name yeah. that I know when when I started going in the early seventies. Laurie Leslie was uh, on the coaching team, I think. That's I right. Um, but he was he was a man who I, I admired as a goalkeeper. But and then having the chance to work with him, when I look back, I think he helped me an awful lot to displace himself. Really, <laughs> yeah, it's quite selfless, really, isn't it? You know. Yeah. To, to do that, to spot talent in a, in a younger player and to bring him through, which, as you say, pushes yourself aside, really. But um, then, having the chance to play with Keith and, and the pass and uh, Dennis Burnett, of course, who had in the European yeah. Cup Winners' Cup final. Um, a great defender as well. He's kind of midfield stroke, defensive yeah. midfield, I suppose you'd call him in the modern... I mean, today, you... Well, I suppose it's a bit of a cliche, but you'd say he was a... It was a bit of a Beckenbauer type, really, a bit of a Bobby Moore type. Yeah, I think that's a good a good analogy. And um, you mentioned Bobby Moore, but I mean, again, he's also mentioned on the on the book cover. Yeah. Um, you, 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 did you play with him, or did you did you you certainly yeah, met was, him? I guess um, together when I was called in to to assist with the training and uh, with England. If I went there, he'd be there. But I met I met and played with Bobby. In 1966. Did you? The World Cup? Yeah. Yeah. Now, this will blow your mind, this will, because in May, the first team goalkeeper at Millwall at um, Chelsea City was Owen Medlock. Again, I've been so lucky with people helping me and and good goalkeepers, good ethics. Yeah. Um, And he had a testimonial, along with a centre-half called Terry Eads, who went on to play for Cambridge United and and such. Mm. But, we um, we were playing a testimonial for them in May, right? And in Owens, we had a Chelsea City All Star team, which was playing against a select eleven from somewhere or other. And we had Jeff Hurst, Peter Braybrook, right. Bobby Moore, Ken Brown, John Bond, Ronnie right. Boyce, all these playing in this team. I I came on second half. I was what seventeen then. What I came on second half. Yeah. I got a ball knocked back to me from Ronnie Boyce. I look up and who do I throw it to? Bobby Moore. Wow. And what an I experience, played, Brian. Well, it's, I mean, Christ alone, I played with Chelsea City and all of a sudden... <laughs> You're in the World Cup winning. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, we played this game in May. Yeah. And in July, he's picking up the World Cup. Incredible. Wouldn't happen today. Couldn't happen today. No, but football was different, I suppose. It's, I mean... <sighs> It must be. A, this is probably a hard question for you, Brian, as you come from that different era. I mean, does it? It must feel like you. It's a different game almost compared with your day to now. It's it looks and feels very different, doesn't it, compared with what yeah, you but, experienced? But I look. I look back at the things that have happened in the game today. I mean, the start of the big match, the start of match of the day, all came through from my era. Yeah, it did. And if you look at it, and you start to think, well, hang on a minute. We probably opened the door for Sky Television and oh, and absolutely, BT and everything else. Absolutely, we just provided the money for for clubs to 
to pay exorbitant wages and exorbitant fees for players. That I don't agree with. Um, I don't agree with a lot of the money going out of the game, no. be it for agents or for foreign players. No. I don't agree with that. I don't think there's been enough done to look after the players from the 60s and the 70s. Well, we uh, see that now, don't we? We see that with the, the sad stories that we've been seeing. Yeah. When yeah. you think World Cup players, and quite a few of them suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's, probably caused by the heading and... Relentless uh, heading, uh, yeah. Contact with balls of that era. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think there should have been far more done. But, again, we don't begrudge the players. This is a job, it's a short career for some... The things I don't like about it today, obviously, the social media side of it, um, which we yeah. don't contend with. No, just as well, I'd say, because it would have been difficult, wouldn't it? I, mean, I think some of the some of the things that happened, we might have been, um, we, might, we might also have made front pages. Of I think you probably might. But you have to buy the book to read some of that <laughs> stuff, though, listeners. I'm, I, I, I said I wouldn't steal all Brian's best stories. You've got to read the book for that. Um, I'll read that website out again so that people can go and find it. It's called The Lion's King, and the website is www.littlehellbooks.com. Littlehellbooks.com. I will stick a, um, a link in the, in the notes when it goes out, 1999. Sorry. I've got a couple of questions. We've done one already about yeah. your gloves, Brian. Um, this is another one from Neil as well. He's, again, he's a goalkeeping special uh, website specialises in goalkeeping. So um, he's asking about your England's um, time. Uh, this is, is uh, Alf Ramsey's last game was Portugal versus England, nineteen seventy-four. Yeah. Um, were you on the bench, or yes. was it Aaron Stevenson of Burnley that was on the bench? Well, it was meant to be the the original the original squad um, because you always had three goalkeepers. Right. And, um, I got called in with Alan Stevenson and um, and Phil Parks, and uh, yeah, that that was the that was the, originally, and and the England FA eleven, that was the original time I was called in as a, as the original squad. Okay. Um, because before when I I had to report for, I think they played Malta at home. Yeah. I went on a tour as well, an East European tour. Um, as, as like a replacement for the third goalkeeper. Um, so you would have been competing with, with, with Banks yeah. still at that, at that time, wouldn't well, you? Well, there was Banks, Benetti, Benetti, Gilton, Clements, Phil Parks, um, Alan Stevenson, Peter Meller, Joe Corrigan. Some great names. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was an era when goalkeepers were, you know, uh, and I always say, if I, if I get mentioned, Jim Montgomery, if I Jim get Montgomery, mentioned... Yeah. Yeah. In that group of goalkeepers, then I'm happy with that. Fantastic. I really am. I mean, I know Benny used to go into one about saying I was the top six in Europe and certainly should have played for England. And I was, you know, I think you said it as well. I think, was Millwall glamorous enough, you know, but um, I thought it was. I thought it was. And as I've said, as I've said, and I spoke, spoke to Gordon Banks about this when Stoke played. Yeah. He said, how do you play down there every other week? <laughs> I said, um, what do you mean? He said, well, I've played everywhere in the world and playing there frightens you to death. <laughs> I said, well, well, it did at the start, but it, but it got easier as I got better. 
Yeah, I suppose it takes is, is that initial shock. I mean, I, one of my memories is, especially behind the cold blow lane in Brian, you, you used to get people. I don't know if you what, if you can relate anything that ever got shouted to you, but some of the abuse that would come from the blokes standing there was was cutting to say the least. You know, well, you had to develop a thick skin, didn't you? Well, to be honest, you don't you don't really hear it. All you hear is that. There was an amazing, amazing engine of, of noise that seemed to generate down the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as much as I love the new den, I think if you played at the old den, whether you're an away team or a home team, I mean, they always talk about the twelfth man and, and and this carry on. But I played there when there's been seven, eight thousand people in the ground. Yeah, yeah. And I played yeah, there when there's been over thirty-five thousand in the ground. Yeah. And the noise they generate, it is very, very similar to the way the Icelandic team supporters responded to their team in the World Cup, yeah. in the European Championship, oh, the European Cup. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. In this, um, yeah, they have this clap and this noise they make. Well, I'm sure all that generated from Millwall generates a unique kind of sense of energy, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, we we never knew. No one likes us. We don't care. No, uh, in those days, but it was a ground which, which, it wasn't an attractive ground to have to drive to. That's a good way to put it. That's very diplomatically put, Brian. <laughs> and it was also once you got to the ground, it made you it made you swallow to realise what you were going into because a visiting team would have to walk across that car park. Yes, <laughs> there was always a few lively, lively chaps out there. <laughs> and then down, down that little sort of tunnel way, yeah. the dressing room, where the room in front of the dressing room was packed with policemen. <laughs> we had a commander there who was in charge of all this lot. Commander Dave West, I think his name is. Lovely man, lovely man. Um, took us and showed us the, the the Black Museum at Scotland Yard. And oh, right. You went to see that? Yeah, yeah. 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 You know these things where you'd never you'd never be able to get entry in those days, but no, arranges these things and showed us around Scotland Yard, and you know it, all those things enhance your in, enhance your growing up, don't they? Really, character um, building, I suppose you'd say. I've, I've always wanted to, you know, <laughs> the, the the bath that Christie used to get rid of his bodies in was very similar to the one that was in the. <laughs> <laughs> one for the one for the older the older listeners there to, to get that reference. I make you right though. I think I think that is a good. No, it was a big old iron, big, <laughs> a big old iron bath. It was Jesus Christ. That's all. I'm not getting in there. <laughs> I've got another question. One, 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 one last question um, from listeners. Well, Glenn Glenn Schimmel has messaged me to say so question for Brian King. Um, the goalkeeper's position is always evolving and changing, he says. So what do you, Brian, see as the most important attribute for any young Millwall goalkeeper to have? Psychological, technical, tactical, physical. Um, you know, what, what, what advice would you give a Millwall goalkeeper particularly? Because it is a tough environment at times down there, isn't it? It's a very tough environment, and which, which leads you to the fact that one of the things in my day they used to say, Goalkeepers were crazy because they always looked as though they were patrolling their penalty box and talking to themselves. <laughs> and only nutcases talk to themselves. <laughs> but it was a form of 
it was a form of keeping your concentration and keeping your attention on the game in front of you, um, which which you had to have, especially playing playing at the old den. I mean, as you say, if if you were to let your ears pick up everything that was coming, and some of it was mm-hmm. funny and some yeah. of it was horrible, but the majority of it for Millwall players, as long as you gave a hundred percent, you'd get a hundred percent from the people who were watching you. And for a young goalkeeper today, I think his concentration has to be up there with with anything required for a goalkeeper today. And especially the game today where the ball and the goalkeeper has to use his feet far more than I did. Yeah. Um, although I used to play out at least once a week, either up front or somewhere on as an outfield player. And I think that's what they do now. But a lot of a lot of goalkeeper work is done around your feet and don't take chances. I mean, if 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 there's an easy solution, then use it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I don't envy a goalkeeper today because um it's not just put the ball on the six-yard line and look for a short goal kick or you boot it over the halfway line. Um, today, you have two full-backs that, that want to drop into the, in the penalty area and take the ball off you. Personally, I can't see the, I can't see the reasoning in that because you're, you're opening yourself up to be put under pressure in your... In your in, box, yeah. In your third of the... You know, yeah. your defensive third of the field. And, I agree. And, um, I'm not too keen on that, but... And you see, you see how many goalkeepers take chances. All of a sudden, a goalkeeper thinks he can play. <laughs> well, um, if you keep taking chances, you'll make errors, Brian, won't you? You know, it, it just well, it's got to. Um, the Millwall go- goalkeepers I've seen since I've since since I finished there. I mean, mm. Sanson and Peter Glazier, uh, Brian Horn, yep, um, Tony Warner, um, Casey Keller, yep. Uh, who else are we going under? David Ford. Um, well, I think also our, our current goalkeeper, the Polish uh, Bartosz yes. Bilkowski, is a very good goalkeeper. He looks, he looks, he looks a good goalkeeper. He's got the size. Um, he makes, he makes some good saves. He, he makes, he makes match-winning saves. But he's also, um, he's also made a few mistakes, as we all have. Yeah. But I haven't really seen enough of him to, to be critical or praise him. But what I've heard. He seems a he seems a nice fella, and he works hard at his game. And um, I can only wish him well, really. But uh, as as I do the team, whenever it's the first result, I always look for. I was going to ask, do you still follow the lines? I know you're based in Norway now, but you still follow the lines from? Yeah, from of course. Norway? And you know, when I've been back, I've been I've been lucky enough to be presented on the pitch when I was sixty. Yeah, presented on the pitch. I remember when I was that. 70. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I was down there quite recently when when the pos was over. Yeah. There was a picture of me, Georgie Jacks, Billy Neal, and the pos on the pitch, which I treasure. Um, you know, it's as I, as I've said many times when I when I went on the pitch, I think Phil Walker was with me. Yeah, great player, um, and we yeah. were both presented with with these cut glass footballs. Um, to 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 represent that we were regarded as legends for the club. Um, and when I walked on that pitch, and I think there's about fifteen or sixteen thousand people there. I I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking back and I'm thinking, 
I, I haven't been on this football pitch as a player or or anything really since since seventy five. Yeah, when you left, yeah. And and now all of a sudden it's two thousand and seven and hang on a minute here, you know, look at all these people standing up, kids, men, grandfathers, uh fathers, grandfathers, and I'm walking out and I'm thinking, Jesus, how humble can this make you? And, well how, and how pleasing it was to think that these people held me in that kind of esteem. That's 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 really nice stuff, Brian. I, I was honoured. I was honoured, and yeah, you know, I I know my family was there as well, and I, I look back at that and I look at the pictures in my office from that day, and I just I take a I take a deep breath and think how lucky I was to give these supporters who I grew to love, um, you know, and I look back and I think, okay, I went into the first division. I wasn't lucky enough. I got a bad injury and, and stuff, but I think if I'd have stayed at Millwall, I'd have played a thousand games. I, I, yeah. I mean, you know, the name Brian King still it resonates as in the way you just described so well. I think it's, um, it's a measure of the, of the career that you had there and, and, and the esteem in which you're, you remain held at the football club. You know, I, I look back and think, when 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 the PFA brought out these all star teams, yeah, and I think then of the of the of the goalkeepers I was competing for to to be picked in an all star team. Oh, you're up against well, we said it already. We're certainly up against some of the major names in yeah, in, in the sport in the game. Joe Parks, absolutely um, great goalkeeper. Stepney, Stepney, yeah, Jimmy yeah. You know, and I look back at those teams that were selected and I think, Jesus, that's me in goal for that team. <laughs> it's quite something, isn't it? Quite something. I want to. I said I wouldn't steal any of your funny stories because they're all in the book and we want people to buy the book, Brian, so I don't want to nick any of your funny stories. But is there one favourite story to close us that you can share with, with the listeners? Just one that maybe um, well, I, you choose your fave. I, I suppose it was, um, it was a time when... Um, we played West Brom away and I got uh, a nasty kick in the face. Right. I've gone for a corner and uh, I've got my hands on the corner, a couple of bodies in front of me. And to be fair, I should have punched it. Ball dropped down and as I dived on it, dear old Jeff Astle, um, a name that's been brought up many times. Absolutely. Um, and again, this is one of the causes and one of the things that I want to, want to try and fight before I leave this earth right. uh, for that kind of injury, that, that that kind of sickness. And I got a nasty kick in the face from Jeff <laughs> Astle. And uh, I lost a couple of teeth uh, and I got a nasty cut on the lip. You've been bashed up badly there. <laughs> well, I suppose some people would say it's been <laughs> a typical Saturday night for some people. <laughs> But no, I, I got in the dressing room and a bit shook up and Jack had already, I'd already had the sponge on my head and face so so, so the blood was dispersed um, <laughs> and they went and got, they went and got the club doctor and um, he proceeded to have a look at my, my face and things and uh, dear old Benny was, the first thing Benny said to me was, if you'd have caught it, you wouldn't have got kicked. So... There was, a, there, was a, there was a sympathetic word from the manager <laughs> to make you feel better. Which, and, 
hey, at the end of the day, it's the truth. I mean, if I had a harsh, it's I'd, harsh but true. I'll give you that. <laughs> and and um, it, 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 it doesn't give you a time whether the, to reflect on whether the boot that kicked you was Puma or Adidas <laughs> uh, or Cola or whatever. But um, I'm laying on the table, the doc comes in, Benny said, make that quick, put some stitches in there, make it quick. And he started to started to stitch my lip. And I mean, if you've, if you've ever had anything around there without an anaesthetic on It's painful. Very sore. <laughs> and after about three stitches, I said to him, Doc, you've got to stop. You've, you've, you've got to stop, Doc. He said, I thought you goalkeepers were brave. <laughs> so I said to him, but you've got to stop. He said, why? I said, because you've sewn my tongue to my lip. <laughs> and that's what he done. So, <laughs> so that... Ben, he said, for God's sake, get that, do it after the game. He said, give him a brandy. I had a little brandy. <laughs> he said, rinse your mouth out. So I took a swig of this uh, dear old Jack's medical help. <laughs> rinse my mouth out. And um, I'm thinking, do I spit it out? <laughs> I thought, it. I'll, I'll have it all Like I'll a dentist. <laughs> all I need is a referee to say, you've been drinking. Um, <laughs> But, oh dear! You know, that was, and then afterwards, when we come back in, in, um, I'm not sure when the doc had forgot about it, but I had this <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a lip. It was in April because I was, we, we were going to have a, we were going to have a dinner party, um, for your <laughs> birthday. Right. <laughs> when I got back from West Brom, and we drove, I drove from the den back home to where I was living outside Chelmsford. Um, <laughs> The missus was at the door and she thought to Cosimodo had turned. <laughs> oh dear, wonderful, wonderful but, stuff. Uh, no, it, and now of course everything's come together and I've got to thank uh, Mark Howarth who, who helped me write the book or he wrote the book and from my tales, done a great job. A lovely, lovely man. And dear old Jim Murray. Absolutely. Um, who's a Millwall fanatic and historian. Yep. And um, his his people who, who helped put the book, book together, Vinnie and Jane, um, all done a great job. I mean, far, far, far more than what probably I deserve, but 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 it looks the part, the book looks the part, and I just hope as many Millwall people can can shell out the money for it or Absolutely. It's leading up to Christmas. It's an ideal, an ideal gift for Christmas. Yeah. I keep thinking when people say, when, when I go to the den and somebody comes up, young boy, 10 or 11, is, can I have your autograph, please? And, and um, always sign an autograph, you know. Yeah. Because some of the great managers in the game, I've heard them say this thing, Never walk away from a child or a person who wants your autograph because there's going to be a time in your career when they ain't going to ask you. Well, that's that's the truth, isn't it? And and to be fair, I've always tried to accommodate. And um, but the last time I was at the den last year, and, and the boy came up, he said, uh, "I heard you was a good goalkeeper." So I said, well, <laughs> "You're too young. You're too young to have seen me." He said, "No, but my granddad said you was good." <laughs> that's nice. I think, well, that's lovely, you know. And if if I give them Millwall supporters that that thought about me, then then I'm happy. 
It's a pleasure okay. talking to you, Brian. It really is, mate. Um, I started the conversation by saying that I was a boy watching you at the den and to be able to speak to you now is a real privilege. Um, never thought it would come in my life. So it's great to be able to speak to you. And it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful career. You gave so much to the club and you're, as I've said before, you are, you're held in very high esteem at the den. So it's, this is a, a wonderful book for Lions fans. It's called The Lions King. It's available for 1999 at www littlehellbooks.com and I will stick a link in the in the show notes for this um, wonderful stuff and it's come uh, as Brian says come from the uh, the James Murray publishing house I'm a huge fan of James Murray's and the, and the Lions of the South book that he produced all those years ago so it's, it's going to be a good one so um, we'll, 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 we'll repeat a few adverts for this so I'm going to make no apology listeners I'm going to make repeat a few adverts for Brian's book over the, over the forthcoming shows um, Brian King Pleasure to talk to you, mate, again. We must do this more often. We'll speak well, again sometime. Nick, n- n- now that we've mastered the Zoom calls, <laughs> we, uh, we, we seem to be up and running. Oh, I, just to explain to listeners, I wasn't sure um, w- whether Brian would have heard of Zoom. Or, you know, you, you, this is always a tentative conversation, Brian, when you, you're speaking to somebody you don't know and you don't want to presume too much. You don't want to make them sound like they don't know anything. So we finally reached Zoom and this is, this is wonderful reception and wonderful stuff. So I really appreciate your time this morning, Brian. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm very appreciative that you think of me and I'm, I'm, very, I'm very thankful that the the way that you you're approaching and putting the book out there and um i also have as much respect for you people you know mill supporters and the people who do these podcasts and and radio shows so i'm i'm always around um at, at this difficult time as we say yes uh, yeah that's a good way to people, put it people yeah. can't move around and no. uh, with uh you know the different podcasts and yeah. I've I have quite a good group of friends who I talk to um quite regularly. Ex players, um Ian Atkins, yep. Reeves, Steve Paraman, Joe Royal, um John Gregory. Yeah, good I names. Mean, yeah. Yeah. All all good all good ex footballers, football men. footballers. Football men, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful stuff. Really appreciate your time, Brian. Thank you very much, mate. Good luck to you, Nick, and good luck to the Lions. Up the Lions. Up the Lions. Thank you for listening to Aston Newell. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. However, it's actually Newell. Till next time. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.